0: the Bible says what? The Bible says what? Uh, The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what? Here we are again on this wonderful podcast called The Bible Says What and we are back. What? What? We are back in action. Uh, I'm Pastor John hailing from Living Hope Church in Centerville, Ohio. You've heard that already many times but if you're a new listener you just got introduced. I'm Pastor John and Here's my other part of the duo.
1: Hey, I am Pastor Paul DeZay from Sandy Hook United Methodist Church in Columbus, Indiana. It's good to be back together again with everybody.
0: Yeah, and we are just two pastors who like to talk about the Bible and Jesus. And we, like everybody, scratch our heads and sometimes go, hmm and huh, and what was that, and what? And it's one of our, our uh, favorite things to do is to kind of talk about, not kind of, we love to talk about the Bible and Jesus. Yeah, is, in yeah. fact, what the whole point of this podcast is about. Uh, if you're a new listener with us, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, if you f- have found your way here, uh, now you call yourself a regular um, Bible says what? Roadie? <laughs> do you think we have roadies yet? We, we have to be on the road to have roadies, but... We have we are virtual groupies, our wives. If you're a groupie, give us a like or a share. Uh, but we would love for you to, to subscribe, uh, share, like, uh, join in the conversation. Uh, but we really make it our business to kind of talk about uh, tough stuff of the Scriptures. And we've been launching into kind of this new season, heading into a little experiment we're going to do in the coming weeks. We're going to enter into a a season where we're going to talk about the lectionary passages, and we'll kind of unpack that a little bit when it comes. But before we get there, we wanted to kind of take a step back and talk about genres in the scriptures, kind of do a real practical how to open up the Bible and find ourselves in different parts of the scripture uh, and learning about the different ways that ancient peoples wrote uh, and it should be no surprise that ancient peoples wrote much like we do uh, in different styles and genres. And uh, last week we talked about narrative, and the, the, one of the biggest genres in scripture is story, and had a great conversation. You should go listen to that. But today, today, we're going to talk about it's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah, uh, Pastor Paul wanted to talk about apocalypse. I don't, are you obsessed with the end of the world? Or are you so, so,
1: like uh, yeah, or? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm teaching a um, a Bible study this uh, in January that'll kind of go. It's like 18 weeks in the Book of Revelation. So, apocalypse is on my brain, man. Mm. But it's interesting. This coming Sunday, the Gospel passage from the Revised Common Lectionary, uh, is a passage in which includes apocalyptic literature. So, you know what? That's two things floating through my brain. I think we need to talk about it, man.
0: Yeah, let's do it. So, the end of the world kind of stuff. For those of you that are uh, longtime Bible readers, or those of you who uh, hesitantly pick up the scriptures every once in a while because you're terrified of what you'll find within, uh, we're going to dive into one of the most unique uh, problematic and complex genres of Scripture. We will not cover it all in entirety today, obviously, uh, but we want to just kind of scratch the surface about Apocalypse. And if you if you have any kind of uh, interaction with this type of genre, its name lends itself to its form, right? So Apocalypse kind of gives us visions of asteroids destroying the earth and burning fires and the end Great of movies. all things, right? We, and we are obsessed with Apocalypse kind of metaphors and images. But what is apocalyptic literature or apocalyptic genre in the scriptures? I know you have a, a definition to kind of unpack for us. Why don't we start there?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, and before I read the definition, let's just say that this is uh, kind of interwoven all the way through the scriptures. Uh, you know, we know Book of Revelation, that's apocalyptic literature, that's a genre, right? Um, but it's also woven in the Gospels, as we said, but the book of Daniel, Paul has it in some of his letters, Second uh, Thessalonians. Uh, and so it is an important, it is an important genre, especially if Jesus used it. I think it's important that we uh, understand it. So definition by a guy named John Collins, he has the definition, the textbook definition of... Apocalyptic literature, apocalyptic genre, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read it, and um, uh, John Gibson is going to listen to it, and then repeat it back to me. Ready? You got to listen good. You, you ready?
0: I'm listening. Yes, I'm okay, okay, here here we getting we ready to write notes. <laughs> you so know, that you can actually like... <laughs> talk educated.
1: <laughs> I mean, it, it is it is a, it's a big definition. We'll break it down here in a second. So, an apocalypse is a genre. Of revelatory literature with a narrative framework in which a revelation is mediated by an otherworldly being to a human recipient, disclosing a transcendent reality which is both temporal and so far it is an envisages, 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 I can't talk today, eschological salvation in spatial insofar as it involves another supernatural world. There's the definition. All right. Repeat it back to me, John Gibson. Come on. Repeat a it back to me. A
0: revelatory understanding, a narrative form that was given from revelation of a divine authority to humans, which is transcendent and not real, and blah, blah, blah. It sounded like someone who's really trying to sound smart. Well, working John, hard Co- to John hard, Collins
1: actually is pretty darn smart. Very smart. So. Well, it sounds yeah, yeah.
0: like written by a very smart person. You know, yeah. the good news is, listener, that <laughs> I, I won't say that we aren't smart, Paul. Um, but uh, but the whole hope of our podcast is to bring some of these things down to a level which are not as intimidating as that definition sounded, <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the so words you do: revelatory do we have- and transcendent, and visages yeah. and mysterious realms of. It almost sounded like the, you know, the, the scroll text that comes down on like Dune or Star Wars, you know, the transcendent reality of the future that envisages all of the horrific nature of the, the, yeah, I'm done.
1: Yeah. So we give the textbook definition. Let's break it down. Let's, let's talk about it. So the word apocalypse does not mean the end of the world. Not you know, mean that's the end kind of, of
0: provocative. That's It seems kind of shocking because we grab hold of the reality that apocalypse does mean the end. I mean, watch any of the apocalyptic movies that we watch. And I think as Bible readers, too, we tend to just skew this way. When we hear apocalypse, we think automatically Armageddon, you know, the, the end of all things and blood and fire and all that. Yeah, kind of stuff. we do. But it For doesn't sure. mean that.
1: Right. It doesn't, not at all. Uh, it, if you go to a dictionary in English, of course it does say that, right? Because that's the way the word has been adapted and, and uh, evolved over over time, right? So, But the word itself comes from the Greek word ap- apocalypse, which means unveiling or uncovering, mm-hmm. revealing. Well, that's revealing. That's where we get revelation, right? The word revelation is apocalypse in Greek. And that's the reason we call it the Apocalypse of Jesus or the Apocalypse of St. John. But it means unveiling. It means uncovering. It means peeking behind the curtain, right? It's about seeing something that you were not able to see before. It's about breaking through from one side to Another. So that's what the word apocalypse. And that's very cool, isn't it?
0: Very cool. And such a great example, though, as uh, of what we've uh, a reality we encounter a lot of times in our podcasts and conversations uh, about the Bible is that in our modern from our modern viewpoint, we skew meanings of words based on our modern understanding of them which skews our ability to understand the intent of scripture. And um, this is a prime example of that reality. How we've taken the word apocalypse and then we just assume what it means for like as a blanket statement for all other apocalyptic literature in scripture. So modern reader, we are put on notice today that um, maybe you thought you knew what apocalypse was, but uh, we hope in this moment you just had an aha moment like we've had in the past that it doesn't actually mean what we thought. You mean it doesn't mean? I don't think it means what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's
1: a good one. So yeah, it, it's, it about, it's about it's un- about unveiling. So if something was veiled. Now mm-hmm. it's unveiled. Think of a table with uh, an object with a blank or a, a sheet over uh, covering it over. And uh, to uh, apocalypse is to take the sheet off of the item. So you see it. It's you can't see it. Now you see it, right? It's, it's uncovering something that was hidden, something that was veiled. Yeah. Uh, and so that that opens a whole new understanding to what apocalypse means in the Bible. Uh, it's not about the end of the world. It's not about blowing up stuff. It's not about World War Three. It's none of those things. Uh, It's about revealing, unveiling, discovering something new that we haven't discovered before. And uh, I think that for the book of Revelation, but also through all of the apocalyptic literature in the Bible, it really helps us understand um, that something is being revealed to us.
0: So two things come to mind, uh, two questions come to mind. Number one, w- well, then what is being revealed? That should be a question that we ask. And number two, who is revealing it? <sighs> I like speaking with a weird accent. Who is revealing it? Uh, those two questions kind of come to mind. Be- and I th- Let's start with the who, because I think that's important. When In, the, in that big, fancy definition you gave, it's a, a revelation from a revelator, a, a divine revelator to a human. So this revelation... The trajectory of the revealing is from God, this mysterious other who has a view of the world that we can't possibly get our heads wrapped around, is entering into our world, our reality with visions or visages, as, as uh, wonderful yep, Pastor Paul said. But he's giving us visages of uh, these, the realities that are coming to be. And I think it's some, the first thing that I kind of think about when I think about that question who is giving the revelation, is that oftentimes as someone who's receiving a revelation, right, so when I open the book of the Bible called Apocalypse or Revelation, I read it from the perspective of trying to understand it through what I already currently understand. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that God is speaking these revelations in a way that fits into my worldview or fits into the way I understand how the world works. I mean, it's a, I think just who was given the revelation, John, was trying to get all these complex things that he had never seen before, never heard before, because it's a revealing, it's an unveiling from God. And yet he's trying to put his ancient language to the revelations. And then now we're even 2000 years later, trying to take the ancient language or interpretation of John who was revealed from God, into our modern language it just becomes a big crazy thing but i yeah, think when we ask to... who we have to remember that god is giving this so what does that mean as we read it yeah
1: well a, a great way of uh, a, me- a metaphor i think that helps explain this type of genre is a political cartoon you ever seen a political cartoon oh yeah Yeah. During election season, they're great. Right. You know, donkeys and uh, elephants and uh, all kinds of things. Right. So a political cartoon is a picture of something that tells a story, helps. It's a narrative, as it says in our definition, it tells a story for us to try to understand something that um, uh, that could be put to words. But instead, a format is a cartoon. Uh, And so we understand political cartoons. Now, imagine reading a or seeing a political cartoon from another country. Yeah, Uh, I'm looking at one right now. It's a picture of a park bench with a polar bear on one side of the park bench and some sort of bird on the other. And they're upset at each other. Right. Well, I don't know what that means. That's from a different country. It says Brazil and China. I don't know. I don't understand that, that those pictures. Right. And so uh, John is receiving this apocalypse. This is unveiling and he's communicating it using uh, symbols and ideas that would have made sense to those people that received it but I'm reading uh, a different language. I'm reading somebody else. Somebody has a different, it's a different context. What makes sense to me, uh, donkeys and elephants uh, wouldn't make sense to somebody in China, right? Unless they were following American uh, political mess. Uh, but if, uh, you know, I can't understand their picture and that's really what it is. We're, we're reading somebody else's mail. We, we don't understand the backstory. We don't understand the symbols either, uh, and that's the difficult. That's what makes it challenging, right? That's what makes it difficult.
0: Yeah. It brings us to our, our second question, or my second question is uh, what is it revealing? You know, and Ooh. I think sometimes I make the mistake, and I would be brave enough to say that a lot of followers of Jesus might make this mistake as well: is that we get caught up in the minutia of the symbols of re- of Revelation or apocalyptic literature, where we become obsessed with things like the the when's and hows and whys, like when will the moon turn red and the Antichrist will come? Who will the Antichrist be? When will the the locusts come and sting us and make you know? All we get, I think we get, we're really. Um, prone to wandering into these minutiae when while we forget that I think our most important step should be backwards, because what what we're having revealed to us is not new news in a sense, right? Because it's within the whole tenor of Scripture, and we talk about this all the time, right? That these these pieces and parts of Scripture are Pointing us to a whole, to a culmination, uh, which we know to be Jesus and the kingdom of God coming down and uh, intersecting with the world and restoration and all those beautiful things. But when we take a step back and we we ask, what is it revealing? I think we, we do a better work of understanding initially when we can step back and see the apocalyptic literature within the whole tenor of Scripture. And what I mean by that maybe more simply is that Jesus is revealing something to us about what he intends to do in the world. Therefore, apocalypse is revealing some sort of reflection of what Jesus has already began to communicate to us, not separate from it. Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: Yeah, there's, there's nothing new in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is communicating to us what the rest of the Bible has already communicated to us. It's just doing it in a very different way. I think it's in a very effective way. And to be honest with you, I think it's pretty bold. And so reading that kind of wakes you up from, you know, your slumber. And I think that's part of the reason the book was written, uh, was to give a wake-up call for those seven churches. So we talked about uh, who wrote it. It's John couldn't really tell you which John, but it's John, John received the message from God, and he's revealing something. So, what is he revealing? Well, it says right in the beginning, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, and so uh, what is being revealed is Jesus. Jesus is being revealed in the Book of Revelation. Uh, of course, there's a lot to do with Jesus. But ultimately, we see him in this amazing book as king, and not just king over heaven, but king over heaven and earth. Uh, And so the revelation is that of Jesus. Jesus is being revealed for who he truly is. And uh, that is the good news, right? The good news, Absolutely. the gospel, is Jesus Christ. So it's nothing new. It's just Jesus is being communi- communicated to us via these, all these symbols to say that he is king, that he is victorious, and his followers uh, need to be faithful, enduring, patient, uh, and they will be victorious. So,
0: Yes. I, I, think, I think it's really helpful... Uh, and it would probably be would would be helpful for us to have a little conversation about this too, because that sounds so wonderful, <laughs> and yet I I I think that um, many a listener, um, again, if I can be so bold, would would really uh, resonate with that and be excited about that. But we also have the simultaneous fear, I think, of opening revelation because of its pitfalls, and you know. It, it's misunderstandings over time and also there's i think there's portions of the misunderstanding that comes out of it that really scare us into what could be you know all these and we've had i mean people have written books which i won't mention about what revelation is all about and our our, our intense focus on uh, end times and the whens and hows of, uh, for the sake of wanting to just know when we need to duck and cover, right? Like, is Jesus going to come before I die? I remember growing up as a kid and thinking, I, I like, I want Jesus to come just not before I die. <laughs> like, I want to live my life, you know? I'm not excited about this thing happening. Well, you should be yeah. excited for Jesus. I'm like, no, I don't want a big locust flying around my head. And am I going to be here? Am I not going to be here? It, did it happen, you know, in. Uh, in the years past, in what was it, 79 AD, there's a lot of academic scholarship, which is a whole other episode for a whole other day, that the in apocalyptic literature, there's also prophetic literature nested in, and is it pointing to sometime in the past? Is it pointing to sometime in the future? And all of those things can swirl, swirl around us and keep us from seeing the heart, which is what we've kind of re- revealed here in the last five minutes, but I think it might, it might behoove us to have a little conversation about some of the negative parts of why we don't open apocalyptic literature sometimes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so the typical way of reading Revelation uh, or any apocalypse is to take it literally. And that's been one of the big themes throughout this entire podcast uh, a couple seasons now is that, uh, you know, there are, t- there are days and times to read scripture and passages, literally. Uh, but most of the time we have to read it, uh, in its, well, really all the time we have to read it in its context, right? So, uh, in this case, apocalyptic literature is very symbolic and should be treated in metaphor. So if you read things that are meant to be symbolic and you take it literal, Uh, then it scares the heck out of people, right? And uh, a lot of people have made a lot of money on selling books and movies uh, to capitalize on that fear. And uh, I don't think we should be afraid uh, as we read the book of Revelation because it's a book of hope. It's a book of hope. It's all going to be okay. And so Jesus is giving us this picture of his kingdom and, and judgment And, you know, judgment's one of those words. We're scared of judgment. We shouldn't be scared of judgment. Judgment's a good thing. Um, That's shocking.
0: But, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Judgment's a good
1: thing, right? So, because it's about making things right. Mm. And and the book of Revelation uh, is about Jesus as king, he's lamb, Uh, he's the lamb of God on the throne. Uh, And uh, so we have a slaughtered lamb uh, on the throne, ruling. The universe ruling everything, uh, including the Roman Empire and
0: pause one second. Sorry. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Can they uh, give me a call when they get here? All right. Thank you. Sorry. I'll edit that out. I got a plumber coming. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Do your thing. <laughs> didn't, they were it's like one to five window, and they I right. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. Okay. So back to where we were. Sorry. <laughs> where were we? <laughs> I totally threw us off. We're gonna I, totally I, edit this, but. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. So you want me to just start?
0: Yeah, just start back where you were.
1: Yep. Yeah. So, you know, if you read the book of Revelation literally, you will be afraid, right? And and it's meant to be read, read symbolically, metaphorically, uh, because that's the type of genre that it is. So the symbols of locust and uh, the river of blood and all those things need to be taken for that way, right? Uh, and unfortunately, that's not the way we've been taught, nor that's not the way that we have I've uh, heard it preached, and it's not the way we read in, in all the uh, the modern hype of the book of Revelation. Yeah,
0: you and know, I think I want to offer encouragement, too, to our listeners that, to, to remember what, and I think our main point from this conversation is that the apocalyptic literature, specifically Revelation, what we're talking about uh, here right now, the point is to know that Jesus is going to finish things. And bring about what he's promised all along, and that—that and that is a done deal—is happening, and we have such an obsession with. Again, the the minutia of how and when I think based out of our fear of when when these things will take place, and also our obsession of needing to be right, and that'd be something to talk about. You know, I think we we want to divulge all of the secret mysteries out of Revelation because I think we want to stand on top of the mountaintop, and say, "See, we told you so." August 28, thousand forty five. That was the day. I mean, people from for generations have been trying to say this is the time it will end because we want to be right and Jesus makes this radical statement like even I don't know the time only the father knows when the end will come because the time of the end is not the important thing the important thing is that it will end and culminate into this beautiful reunion of kingdom of heaven and kingdom of earth and restoration so we can't worry about the outcome because the outcome is determined right but again, I think sometimes we get mixed up as readers because we think we got to divulge all these mysteries about the when's and where's and and maybe even our our fear and wondering about will it really end? Like, is it not really settled? Do I need to watch out for these things happening? Is the Antichrist gonna? Oh my gosh, how many conversations I've had? Oh, just even with the recent COVID stuff, it, you know. Is the Antichrist going to somehow fool me and I'm going to end up with the the mark of the beast on my head and it's all going to be over, you know? But that type of fear starts with a misunderstanding of how to read apocalyptic literature. And we have to relearn so that we can rest in the assurance to know that Christ has won the victory, right? But this... Gives us a new point of view then when we read apocalyptic literature, because we can read it, as you said, Pastor Paul, so well, we can read it from a lens of hope rather from a lens of despair or fear.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I think it's important as we read uh, this genre is that uh, there's a difference between symbol and code. There's a difference between symbol and code. A symbol is a symbol. It means something. A code is something that you're trying to solve in the sense of a puzzle, right? And there's a difference between the two because in the book of Revelation, these symbols are not codes to be solved, not puzzles to be sorted out. They're symbols. So when you read a symbol, it means something. Uh, And so that's the idea of a symbol. It represents something. Uh, So it doesn't need to be figured out from a puzzle standpoint. We just have to understand what does the symbol mean, and there's a world of difference between symbol and code. We're not trying to solve a code. There's no puzzle to be sorted out. Jesus is re- being revealed. That's that's the. It's an unveiling, a discovery. No, not a code, not a puzzle.
0: Jesus. It's so simple, and yet I think it reveals a a, a deep reality within huma- humanity, right? Because codes are things that. A a precious few can figure out and lord over other people. Yep, that's true. A code points to my need for being right and my need to be in control because I have deciphered the code and I get to tell you about it. Mm -hmm. But the scriptures always, I believe, move us towards simplicity, you know, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're complex, but move towards this simple picture of Jesus in his life. The disciples were obsessed. We, show us the Father, Jesus. Show us the Father. Like We want to know the depths of the mystery. He said, look, it's plain. It's right in front of you. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no more mystery. Here I am in the flesh right before your eyes. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And I think as humans, go. we need to flip-flop our view and stop with our obsession of trying to figure out, like you said, all the. I, th- I think that's just profound, trying to figure out all the codes of the Scripture, all those secret things that we have to be mature enough to decipher and discern so that we know the right gospel or the right truth and instead move the other direction towards the simplicity of Jesus revealing himself to the world uh, through apocalyptic literature. Yeah. Good stuff, man. And
1: and the, and the original recipients understood it. So it's no wonder we don't, but uh, because it's, you know, 2000 years removed. Right. But the original uh, readers and hearers understood it. It made sense to them. So that should bring us comfort. It isn't a uh, a puzzle or a code uh, for us to figure out. It's something that meant something to the original readers. Now we're reading their mail. So what did it mean to them? And that, of course, is, you know, biblical interpretation. You know, what, what did the Bible mean to the original readers and hearers? And then
0: what does it mean to me? Great, simple, final thoughts there. What no, no, it no, no! I'm not done here. I love I'm it. not what done. It, what did it mean to the readers, and what does it mean to me? I, I think that's just beautiful. You could, you can. Can I, can I give a couple
1: shocking bombs to end yeah. this?
0: Well, you have I'm more shocking for... bombs? Like... No, no, no! Just
1: real quick statements, all right? <laughs> yeah, but, so, yeah. So, bring it on, man. Let's do it. Okay, so, so, so three things. Let's see if I can remember. Number one, revel. It's the book of Revelation, not the book of Revelations. So right?
0: one singular. that
1: that yes, that, that's important because the revelation is of Jesus Christ, right? So that's not the bombs here, here here's here's the number uh, here here's the two bombs. Number one, uh, the Antichrist is not in the Book of Revelation. There is no mention of Antichrist in there whatsoever. And number two, there's, there's no mention of rapture or any something rapture in in the Book of Revelation, so that we can just rest. There's no Antichrist and no rapture, so a lot of those books and movies and stuff, like I say, they make a lot of money, and they might be good reads, but the book of Revelation is a book of hope. That's about our King Jesus, uh, and everything's going to be okay, because he's king. Yeah. We have hope.
0: That's beautiful. I, and the two bombs that Pastor Paul Dizay from Sandy Hook United Methodist Church mentioned... <laughs> We, we actually I think that'd be a great episode to kind of go over some of those misconceptions from revelation and um, I mean that's what we do uh, as the Bible says what podcast so if you're a listener and you're going uh, what is he talking about <laughs> we promise that we will hit another episode a part de of apocalyptic literature you can check it out in future' we'll, we'll make a note to, to touch back on that but I think it, it would be a great episode to kind of talk about a few of those misconceptions things that we assume are in Revelation or that have been constructed by culture that in fact aren't or need to be re-understood. I think that would be a really great conversation. And
1: and anyone who wants to jump into the Bible study in the book of Revelation, January 2022, uh, it'll be on Facebook, Sandy Hook's uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube page um, on Wednesday evening. So I'll get more information. We'll post more information in the show notes and as well as the uh, social media platforms. If anyone wants to jump into that study,
0: yeah, absolutely. When you start it, we'll we'll post it back. If you're listening to this, we'll check back on this episode and we'll make sure we post links into the episode show notes for anybody who might like to join a Pastor Paul and the Bible study through the Book of Revelation. Good stuff, man. Hey, hey, it's been good talking yeah. with you, man. Yeah. So we've covered all of the genres of the Bible in two episodes. No, we didn't. No, no, we no, haven't. We didn't. <laughs> <laughs> there are others, uh, and we. So our hope is over the next few weeks. So we're we're going to start. Journeying through lectionary passages um, together. So, what that means is if you're new to the lectionary, these are um, prescribed in three different cycles of years A, B, and C, where we work through the entirety of Scripture uh, an Old Testament, a psalm, an epistle, and a gospel for each week. That coincides with the the calendar section of of the church year. So we're coming up on Advent. So Pastor Paul and I, we're going we're just going to take a section, um, probably just Advent, and work through the lectionary, just to kind of start diving into that and maybe introduce some of you to the lectionary rhythms within your life. But our hope is to also touch on some of these other genres that we haven't been able to cover in these first two episodes. When we encounter poetry or we encounter epistles or, you know, we encounter prophetic uh, literature, we're going to maybe take some time to unpack a few of those in our coming episodes as well. So we hope you would join us. Uh, man as we Absolutely. continue through this journey, it'd be good stuff. And
1: and one of the things that we want to do during the that Advent lectionary study is to talk about finding Jesus in the text or looking at the text through the Jesus lens, the Jesus hermeneutic, and so that's one of the things we really want to try to do is to demonstrate what that looks like.
0: Beautiful. I cannot wait. It's been good, man. Yeah, All right. Well I'm gonna I'm gonna go preach a series at my church about how the world is ending. Um, Pastor you Paul do that,
1: so. <laughs> and I'll preach about how it's not ending. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> no, it's been great. I I love our conversations, uh, Paul, and our friendship and being able to navigate the tough stuff of Scripture together. Uh, and we hope Absolutely. you do too. That's the whole reason we're here, listener, is uh, kind of bring all these head-scratching moments of Scripture down to a place where we can not be afraid to have conversation about them um, because we believe that's a pathway to a deeper relationship with Jesus. and that's, Absolutely what we're about, man, as followers of Jesus and pastors. So, uh, again, join us uh, next time on The Bible Says What. Uh, Drop a like, a subscribe, a love, share with your friends and neighbors and complete strangers at Kroger. Uh, We would love for them to join us, too. But for now, uh, that's it for this episode. Again, I'm Pastor John.
1: And I'm Pastor Paul. Grace and peace, everyone. The Bible
0: says what? The Bible says what? Uh, The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? Say what? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says...
1: What?